Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dad Bod to Fit. Today we're going to kick off the show talking about alcohol and some of our experiences with it and how detrimental it can be to your fitness journey. Uh, before we get into that, though, obviously we're not doctors. We're not recommending the use of anything or suggesting the use of anything in a certain way. Make sure you're talking to your own doctor. Um, hopefully he knows a thing or two about how to help you become a better person. So <laughs> I think the conversation was going to start off with alcohol because uh, last night I drank a little too much myself. So <laughs> I was telling Seth about that, too much tequila involved. So we want to kick it off talking about that because uh, the other day I was reading an article and unfortunately I couldn't find it, but it was talking about how alcohol takes eight days to process out of your system completely and how yeah. it has a detrimental mental effect for that the entirety of that eight days. So really your brain is working at a substandard rate for eight days following any alcohol consumption. Um, and that's recent research. You know, um, it was interesting because recently I was at a counseling appointment. She had a chart up on the wall. And it showed the different drugs that people are addicted to, and alcohol is one of them, and the detrimental effects it has on the brain formation. And it showed this, I think, a 21-year-old brain who'd been drinking alcohol, like at an alcoholic level, uh, for three years. And the deformity of the brain was really impressive to me. Like, I don't think we realize how detrimental it can be. You know, it was right up there alongside of, um, I think meth was pretty close to the same kind of damage as far as the deformation of the brain and all that kind of stuff. So... It's something to think about for sure. Jeez. It also has like a negative effect on your testosterone levels uh, and your um, there's a, there's a study here on alcohol effects on reproduction in men. Uh, it negatively affects your testosterone levels, negatively affects the your testicular function with the, like the serotonin cells. So like you have that HPTA access. Where you're, you're, you know, hypothalamus sends this the GnRH to pituitary, which produces LH and FSH, which those those go down to your balls and they attach to the Leydig cells and the serotonin cells. The serotonin cells are what produces sperm. And alcohol, I'm just recording this, alcohol also impairs the function of testicular serotonin cells that play an important role in sperm maturation or like the production of sperm. Um, and then it goes on to say something around. Um, the pituitary gland alcohol alcohol can decrease the production and release of the two hormones LH, uh, luteinizing hormone, which is for testosterone, and follicle stimulating hormone. It's just like a, it's like it's like one of those things. Where it's like seed oils almost, so to speak. I, mean, I don't know. Would you would you put that in the same category of seed oils, or would you? Well, if you want to look at the detrimental effect of, you know, on the hormones and yeah, but I think it's worse than seed oil in the way that, you know, it's also affecting your brain on a massive level, really, you know, you got the short term effect while you're impaired and then you got the longer term effect, you know, for the next eight days after your, your last drink where it's, you know, kind of impairing you to some degree. Um, and then on top of that, if you're going to be using any kind of PEDs, especially orals, you know, it's really hard. It's additional strain on your liver, kidneys, whatever else. Right. So Overall, there's not really a whole lot of benefit to it other than temporary, you know, I'm more relaxed, I can sleep better, whatever, you know, like those are temporary benefits that don't really outweigh the long-term effect, you know, as is something that people utilize on a daily basis. You know, I used to myself and it's like, you don't think about it because you don't see it until you step away from it for, you know, six months without alcohol, whatever. <clears throat> and then you realize, you know, I feel great. And then you have one night where you go drink too much tequila like I did last night and you're like holy crap <laughs> also I know alcohol is very, very toxic on your liver too so a lot of people in the bodybuilding community we don't necessarily like to drink because of that reason and how toxic it is for your liver and kidneys and just your health mm -hmm. in general so I, I think most of the bodybuilders around it's, it's kind of funny because we don't really drink at all and all these other like normal people like who don't like really work out or you know follow the lifestyle they drink I mean, i'm sure most people do in, mo in moderation but like if they follow the lifestyle they really just don't drink alcohol <laughs> no i i agree and like on that same note like if you think about fitness community or like reaching your goals uh whether it be fat loss or building muscle so like testosterone production you want ideally to build muscle, you want that higher, as well as to drop body fat. So if you think about how alcohol affects efficiency, right? So your liver is impaired, which 
is where IGF-1 comes from, which can help burn body fat, but also help build muscle and filter out other toxins in your body and just do a plethora of just amazing stuff for you. For you. And you're impairing the function or the efficiency of your liver in this process. So you're like, okay, cool. That's going to slow down the progress of fat loss and or building muscle. And then on top of that, it drops down testosterone levels. So like if you're on TRT, there's a huge advantage because you have stable levels all the time and they're elevated, right? Where you have a normal person, even if they're not drinking, is going to have a fluctuation of up and down testosterone levels. But we don't have to experience that same level of fluctuations of peaks and valleys all the time because uh, we're on TRT. But somebody who is trying to drop body fat and or trying to uh, build muscle and they're drinking, like you're just literally shooting yourself in your foot. And I know that metaphor has been used many times, but it's like, Hey, I want to lose body fat. And then you're eating McDonald's fucking burger every day. Like, it's just, the, 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 they just don't align. It's like, Hey, I want to save money. But then they're like in line to buy grocery or in line to buy like extra clothes that they don't need. Right. Like it just, it just doesn't align with any of their objectives whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, Alcohol really affects your digestion rate too. Um, so I think they said it's about four hours. If you eat, if you eat anything within four hours of drinking alcohol, or let's say you eat something and then you drink some alcohol, anything within that four hour time period, your body's virtually not di- doing anything to digest that food. It's just trying to get the alcohol out of the system as fast as it can before it goes back to digesting food. So that can be really hard on, you know, your internal organs, especially, you know, your, your digestive system. Um, storing that stuff is just sitting in there doing nothing um and your body's not getting fed because you got that alcohol in there basically utilizing every part of your digestive system trying to just get rid of it right so there's a lot that goes into it that people just don't realize um and you know for a long time i was like well you know i just have a glass of wine on date nights or something and that's fine and i didn't really notice you know any benefit just doing that as opposed to having to drink a little more frequently or whatever it wasn't until i quit drinking completely for you know about a month um, that I was really like, wow, you know, that makes a big difference. I have a, I have a buddy who, um, he was up around 250 and he's probably like five, nine or something like that. So I'm like six, one, a little over six, one, and he was around 250, but like a pudgy thicker. Right. And he's stopped drinking now and he's like stunned at how much progress he's making in his life too, because not only do you do a lot of people drink and then it slows down their process progress and whatever they're doing from like the health standpoint, fat loss or building muscle, but it also has the same type of effect on your life in terms of your goals and what you want to achieve, whether it's in your relationships, on your house, making money, etc. because you don't consume, you don't realize how much time, the act of drinking consumes your time. And then the the peripheral after the fact, right? The actual consumption is like, okay, cool. I'm drinking for an hour, but then it ruins the rest of your actual evening in terms of productivity or like moving towards your goals. Uh, it's massive amount. Have you ever tried um, Fenibute? Fenibute. I want to say yes, but I, don't, I couldn't tell you for sure. I think I did. I think I actually have a bottle of it somewhere. Seth, you're muted if you're saying something. I was just saying I've heard of it. I've, I've heard of the benefits from it. I just have not experimented it with Fenaboot uh, myself. I've used it uh, a bunch of different times. It's a um, it has a it's like an anti-anxiety type of uh, thing that was developed in I think it was Germany or Russia and it has the same type of social lubrication effect that alcohol provides, but without impairing motor function, right? So you, you know, when you have a couple of drinks and you, it's just, it seems more effortless to have, you know, conversations with people or like go talk to people or whatever the case is. Well, uh, it stimulates that and reducing the effects of like um, anxiety or stress or whatever is going on, right? By affecting, I think it's the GABA receptors in your brain, just like alcohol would, but it doesn't impair you from a, like being able to operate a vehicle. And I'm not saying you should do like anything that I'm talking about, but Fenibute is like 
don't know. It's very, it's, it's, it's an interesting compound and just like anything can be utilized in a way to augment, uh, say if you don't want to drink as much, or if you tend to tell yourself that you're stressed or, uh, get anxious or whatever the case is, you can actually utilize that in, in those moments, like as a, as a tool to do so. It's very, very interesting compound. You know what the dosing is on that? Off the top of your head. <laughs> uh, I don't remember like, off the top of my head. But was it like a lot of something or was it like you're talking like micrograms or like multiple milligrams kind of thing? Uh, I think it was in the milligram or gram level of how much you take. But I don't remember how much it was. And like the bigger the effect you have, you can definitely feel like you're drunk. You can, if you take a high enough dose, the next day you kind of feel like you're, you have a hangover uh, in terms of like the mental fogginess and, and the slowness to say cognition the next day afterwards, if you take a large, a large amount of it, even though you're not like, I've never thrown up after, um, you know, being drinking all night or whatever. I've, I've throw, if I do throw up, it's, I throw up the night before, but I've never thrown up like the day after drinking. And, uh, it doesn't like affect your stomach. It doesn't affect you like nausea. It doesn't affect any of that, but just the mental side of things the next day, it definitely affected it. And like, so one time I, um, I was going to Costco to do some grocery shopping. And so I just got it in and I never actually utilized it before. So I took some Fenibut before I was going to go to Costco. Costco this is when I lived in Hawaii. It's about a 35 minute drive to get to Costco. And so I take some Fenibut and then right before I leave, I was like, cool let me like i don't really notice that much right that's the thing that people always say and then they pop too much of it right so i was like okay cool let me take double the dose of just what i took and i don't remember what it was i took double the dose and then i'm i'm driving to um what does it take off the edge one gram plus okay so it is in the gram level um i drive to uh costco and um on the way there i have like music playing which is i don't always but excuse me sorry about that i don't always play music while i'm driving i saw a lot of times i just drive quiet in like with no music on or no nothing on and i'm driving there and i'm like jamming like i'm singing along to the music and like you, you know you're like you're having a good time like listening to music and when i got to costco i was like oh shit this is like kicked you know, like I didn't I didn't realize it because I was like, oh shit, this is I'm like having a great old time like driving to Costco and <laughs> like uh, singing along to music, like dancing in the car. And it was from the the Penipute or whatever. But then the next day, uh afterwards, because this was like seven or eight o'clock in the evening when I went to Costco, but the next day I definitely felt like mental fog or lethargy, mentally, not physically. Hmm. So for you guys in the comments, um, what are some nootropic type products that are similar or that you just generally like uh, that we could maybe research ourselves? I'm not a big guy on nootropics. I haven't used them a ton. You know, every once in a while I have some that I use, um, but for the most part, I don't really experiment with them. So if you guys have any recommendations, I'm completely open to hearing those and possibly using some myself. So you should check out Fenibut, dude. Like if you have it in your, you know, stack somewhere at the house, just you. Try try testing it out and just see what your experience is like because it if you if you were drinking like you don't you don't necessarily like want to be doing other things because it it like slows down your ability to accomplish things right and, and your in your ambition to accomplish things it reduces that but also your your like ability to focus and actually accomplish things like it's uh, much more challenging to do that while you're drinking. And um, with Fenibut, I don't take it very often, but the it still slows down or reduces your ambition to accomplish things. At least that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. But it didn't it didn't reduce my ability to get those things done. Like where alcohol reduces my ability to accomplish things, but mm -hmm. that I didn't notice the same type of effect with Fenibut on the my capacity to actually get things done. Like, you know how if you were trying to type and you're drunk, like, you're just going to continually fuck shit up, right? But if you're, you're not going to do that with Fenibut. 
you know, that, and I guess that's where you get the separation between the mental piece and the physical piece where alcohol gives, you know, you get fucked up mentally, but you also get fucked up physically where Fenibut is just all mental. Huh? Yeah. It's definitely something I could probably benefit from because this is like the most talking I ever do, you know, throughout the course of my day, right? Is either YouTube or the podcast is like my only talking. <clears throat> I just don't talk about my day. I don't talk about anything, right? Like I'm just quiet most of the time. Um, so something like that could be beneficial because a lot of times people are like, okay, well, you know, talking, I don't have anything to say, you know, <laughs> I, I noticed something very interesting. So I just got back from a cruise and I noticed something very interesting in the cruise because like I talked to you guys here uh, and then we talked during the week and stuff like that. And again, I talked to several other people, but it's like on, on the phone, I don't like have conversations like in the physical, unless it's somebody at the gym. And right. so I consume through like say Instagram or TikTok and or YouTube while I don't spend a lot of time in, in physical presence with people. And, and it's not like, I don't think many people live that way. Like maybe you do and Seth does a little bit, but like we're, we're fucking anomalies in the sense that like the vast majority of the population doesn't actually live that way. Yeah. We'll go on this cruise and there's about 2000 plus people who are there from like just being on the cruise. And then there's about 900 staff members on there. And one of the things that I noticed like very quickly was that there was a lot of people, a lot more people than I realized were all overweight and limping or like having issues uh, having issues. And it was like interesting because I get to see the PR version of reality, right? People are PR themselves when they post pictures on Instagram, when they post videos on YouTube and things like that. And that's the version of reality that I'm consuming because I don't spend a lot of time in like face to face with any actual human beings other than the gym. Right. So it was interesting to see that because you look at Instagram, you're like, okay, that person has big arms or that person has a six pack or whatever the case is. And then you go around this on the cruise and there's 2000 people there. And like practically everybody was overweight. I didn't see one person that was like in very great shape or anything like that. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a very interesting observation, actually. What's up, Derek? What's up, Sam? How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Represent Biomuscle Labs and American SARMs. <laughs> well, thank you, Derek. <laughs> you're, looking pretty lean. you're looking pretty lean there right now. Are you? You said you're competing for a show, right? Um, I I, I don't know. I I go back and forth, man. Like one day I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna compete, and then the next day I'm like, nah, I got focus on business, bro. I got focus on making that money. <laughs> you got the diet face going, and like you tell, like you're that's that lean. I have been dieting, but I've mostly been dieting for the uh, Instagram. As silly as that sounds, <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about that. <laughs> That's literally what I was just saying. Like, I was so I was surprised because we I see this version of reality. Like, I see everybody's profile, and I see people who are in, in like really good shape and they're lean. And yeah. then I go out into I go out into reality with like regular human beings and i'm like oh wow everybody's fucking fat there's like people limping all over the place and stuff like that and i just thought that was uh interesting because i don't i don't see that part of reality by the I way don't, i don't think that i can make sales just in my mind if i'm out of shape because who's going to look up to me if my face is bloated if i got a stomach hanging out you know i, I might be looking heavy but at the end of the day, you see the biggest influencers, they're not even IFBB pros. They're like these skinny, pretty-looking white boys that are like 20 years old. They're the ones that are like killing it. Like they're just straight killing it. And they, they're because why? They're aesthetic. They got the six-pack year-round. And so you gotta live up to a standard nowadays. It, well, it is. It's tough too, because I think that you know it's so skewed when it comes to social media, because I mean, you're kind of hitting on it a little bit, Sam, with that. It's just like when you're living life through social media, you don't realize the reality that that person lives in or what they look like in reality because they look so different on social media than they do in real life. You know, um, I see it a lot with like female influencers because I know a few of them and they look phenomenal in the gym. But then on camera on their social media, it's like, yeah, she looks like average. Right. 
or with a lot of like fitness influencers, especially men, it's like, well, you look pretty soft and not that big on camera. And then you see them in real life. You're like, holy shit, you're ripped and huge. Right. So we have these standards. So when we see somebody on social media that actually looks ripped and huge or, you know, has a great body or whatever else, the reality is they probably don't look like that in real life. Like some people are just built to look good on camera, but in real life, they just don't look good. Right. And then the people that do look good in real life don't look good on camera. It's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> uh, Chad's checking in aesthetic white boy here in the house. <laughs> Question for you guys. Um, do you, I've gotten this from several different people that have that have seen my they've interacted with my social, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or TikTok. And then we've met in person at some later date. And they're like, oh wow, you're you're a lot bigger than what you realize what your pictures or your the portrait you see online. And uh and I'm curious because you get both versions of that and what you guys you guys get. Because like some people will see somebody and they're like, oh, they're a lot smaller than they appear online. Uh, but I've gotten it from several different people where you're like, oh, you're actually bigger than you look online. Um, Derek and, and Seth and uh, Brian, what do you, do you guys, have you guys had that experience yet? I've had that plenty of times. I mean, like, you know, I have people that come up to me in like grocery stores and stuff and be like, oh, I've seen you online with Tony Huge or, or you guys like on the podcast in my area. And they're like, you look like you're, you know, in shape and you're big and whatever, like you have like a good muscle build and, like on your pictures, like look fairly similar. It's just like, you know, some, sometimes I'm not like necessarily, I think everyone is at a stage where they're not like technically lean year round. Like they might be holding water weight or something like that. Like even Derek, I'm sure like, you know, like you, you could kind of like maintain what you have, but like being lean year round, like we talked about, I think what last week is hard to do if you don't have your, diet locked in and your discipline so like i think that always plays a factor with things and like especially like with the lighting at the gyms and stuff like that and like which pictures that people do they can manipulate like how they look like a certain way and like if you see someone in person they might look totally different so like you won't even recognize who they look like <laughs> like honestly like i have the time i don't even put filters on my photos they're just me it's just, or just like in like the my garage gym like it might have better lighting or something so it might look a tad leaner than usual but like i'm usually the same as i would look in person like for me but like i don't know for you guys if you guys are the same way you know yeah i never use a filter when i do my pictures or video or any of that stuff actually so i live in a smaller area right like there's not a huge population around me especially now that i've moved yeah so i don't get a whole lot of that but funny enough i was working in a in a small town like smaller work than where i live now working there for about a year and a half or two years. And they had this little tiny gym there. And a lot of my pictures on social media are from that gym. And when I first started working out there, there's this guy just kept eyeballing me. I'm like, what does this guy want? You know? And he's quite a bit bigger than me as far as, you know, height wise built like me, but taller, like probably a foot taller. Cause I'm only like five, seven, right. I'm short dude. And, um, he kept eyeballing me. He finally comes up. He's like, Hey, are you Brian from YouTube? You got the channel dad by 2.0. I was like, yeah. He's like, Wow, man, you know, it's so cool to meet you. I never met a celebrity but a celebrity before. I was like, oh, I'm not really a celebrity. <laughs> Whatever, thank you. you know, hey, he's Brian, like, gonna... just to interrupt you, bro. I told you that getting over 10k subs, you're the one percent of the world. <laughs> like that's no, that's an actual stat. I'm telling yeah. you, it's, it's bigger deal than what you make it seem. <laughs> well, thank you. Anyway, he's like, I'm not gonna lie. He's like, you're a lot shorter than I expected, but you're way more muscular than you look on camera. So I was like, well. Oh. That's cool to hear. Thank you. But, you know, it, that really kind of opened my eyes up to to the reality of the distortion on camera or, you know, we set these ideals to ourselves. And I talked about this last week on the show. We set these ideals off of something we see online and we're trying to hit that ideal, which might not even be real in the first place. Um, but in the process of doing that, we, you know, possibly put aside all these other aspects of life or fitness where we could excel and actually be better or different than everybody else in a way that we have strengths already. You know, like some people might be built for running or weightlifting or powerlifting or something like that. Like, why don't we just find what we're really good at naturally and learn to enjoy that and excel at that, you know, like in fitness, you know, not everybody's going to be a pro bodybuilder. So why are we all trying to be bodybuilders? 
or, you know, we're all, all going to be, you know, world level power lifters. So why are we trying to outlift each other? Right. Like, what are you good at as a person? What am I good at as a person? Like I work out just because I enjoy hurting myself with weights. I can enjoy the pump and everything else. Right. So that's what I do it for. But so many of us get caught up and I've done it too, get caught up in trying to compete with somebody on Instagram or whatever else and become something that we're just not going to be able to become. Right. And then we're dissatisfied. I think we're all at the age, though, too, all of us, is, is that we lifted during the time and we developed this passion before there was an Instagram. Yeah. So we actually love this. We're not, if all of this were us to go away, there's no more Instagram, no more YouTube, none of it. You, you won't get no benefit, no financial benefit. You'll get no clout off of lifting weights. I think all four of us will still be in the gym. Oh, yeah, dude, like, most definitely, like, I remember when I was 18, I was 17 years old in the gym, looking up to the bigger dudes. Like I would make friends with all the bigger guys in the gym. And like, I'd be like, that's who I want to like look up to and lift. Like, like I want to lift as much as they are and all that good stuff. So like, you know, what I did was just make friends with all those guys. And, you know, I just kind of continued the lifestyle. Like, <laughs> you know, like, even I think I would still be doing my lifting, taking pictures on my phone, like same way, even if Instagram wasn't even around. Like I remember it was just like MySpace or something like that around that time frame. I'm sure it's still out there, but <laughs> to go like off of what Derek was saying, you know, hey Brian, give yourself some credit for like ten thousand right subscribers, but also um what Derek was saying, like hey, focus on you know, show or like bodybuilding or focus on, on business. And there was a stat that I heard recently where if, and I think Brian and Seth have both heard me mention this before, but uh, if you have a six pack, that is you're less likely to have a six pack, six pack than you are to have a million dollars. Right. So Derek, you, you have a million, you can, you already have that six pack. So now you can just get the million dollars and you're, you're, you're in the elite of the elite because you like, most people don't have six packs. We don't necessarily realize that because, I mean, I don't know how Derek is, but, like, I don't spend time around, like, human beings in, like, real life. It's, like, the internet and the gym and, like, maybe a grocery store once a week, right? But I don't normally see, like, other human beings. <laughs> so, so I get this, we get this distortion that, like, a lot, a lot of people have six packs. But in reality, like, most people don't. Like 2,000 people on this cruise I just went on, and every single one of them was, like, overweight. Like, I, I was, like, barely anybody who wasn't overweight on the cruise or, like, slightly lean. It was crazy. So you're looking at 1% of the population as a six-pack, roughly, right? A little less than 1%. And you're more likely to be a millionaire. I think that that – I mean, one in 100 people has a six-pack. You know, that seems – doesn't seem so far out of skew for me right now, like – you know, back in the day, obviously, it was a lot higher proportion of people had a six pack, right? Because more people were fit. But now one in 100. OK, that's, you know, that seems depressing. But I think it, economically, it's even more depressing because like Grant Cardone says, I don't know if you guys follow him or not. He says the millionaires are the new middle class. You know, if you're a single digit millionaire, you are the new class, middle class. Like, you know, 50 years ago, if you made $100,000 a year, you had a pretty good lifestyle. And now to have that same lifestyle, you'd have to have over a million dollars a year in income, right? Just because of inflation. So yeah, it's a testament to the decrease in physical fitness, which is what we're more concerned about on this channel. But uh, economically it speaks to how far we're backsliding, you know, in the value of the dollar and the value of, you know, assets and everything else. You know, you know how, go ahead, Derek. You guys ever heard of saying like, you can't serve two masters. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's, it's crazy because every time that I try to focus on bodybuilding, my income does go down because it's just training for a pro show is a whole lot different than training for an amateur show. It takes almost everything out of you. And uh, I, my show for the New York Pro, which was the recent show that I did, that was the most exhausting preparation that I ever had because I was trying to fight all things that I didn't have fit economically. So I had a personal train. I was still doing YouTube and I had to do Uber any chance that I had. So any opening that I had, I was doing Uber and I would go to the gas stations, one of my meals in the gas stations 
And I just don't think like you can come in 100% on show day like that when you're just juggling so many things and you're stressed out. Um, Rats Army during that time shut down. So that was a good chunk of money that I was getting each week. That was gone. My wife lost her job during that time. And so all of the bills were on me while I'm getting ready for the New York Pro. And so it was just like, you know, and then you look at the result that I got, and it's like, well, maybe I should focus in on really building solid income because you might think that you're good for a time period, but stuff happens and, you know, inflation happens. You can lose your job. All of this stuff that can happen bad will happen. You know, you're not that special one that you're not immune to bad things happening to you, you know? So it's like, what, what do you want? Do you, do you want to be a pro bodybuilder? Do you want to make money? Well, I, I'm in the position now where I would rather have the money and then compete later because that way, I'll probably be in a better position. And the majority of the people that win these shows, they already have the money in the first place. And so you're trying to compete against somebody that they slowly just wake up and focus on bodybuilding. And then yeah. you're juggling all of these different things. Who do you think the winner's going to be? I mean, let's just logically think about it. From a, Especially from a stress standpoint, like just if you just look at stress, uh, the stress, if you have an increase in cortisol or other stress, which would cause an increase in inflammation, you're going to look, if you have more stress than I do, and we're relatively similar in structure and size and everything like that, you're going to look softer than I'm going to look because you have all that extra inflammation and or uh, fluid retention in your body because of the extra stress. Like, it's going to be a, a massive difference. I, I never, I did my vlogs for the New York Pro, and I never went in that detail of what I was really going through because I just don't, you know, my Instagram is handled mm-hmm. over attitude. So I don't want to... I don't want to come off to people as like I'm giving them a, an excuse because I don't want them to have an excuse. Like I feel like I have people looking up at me and I just feel like this world is just full of too many people with excuses. So I want to be the last one to to be to put some extra emphasis on that, you know. Um, uh, on on that Derek my thought I think that and it's something that I like could probably do a lot better with, and this is probably why I'm able, to, why I see it this way, right? Is uh, I feel very similar, right? I think that so many people just make excuses and complain about stuff instead of taking action. But I think that going through and sharing that, like your story around what you're doing and what you're struggling through, is, is a challenge to do. But like, what do we know about challenges? They make us stronger. So like whether it's the challenge of lifting 405 or whatever the case is, it's the challenge of like, hey, how do I how do I get my income to double right over the next three months or, or, or 10x over the next year or whatever the case is. Right. Um, and when you go through a something that is challenging to you, you have to grow as a person and let go of certain things that are up here about the stories like that I tell myself about the world. Of like, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't share that thing with it because whether it's like, hey, it's like, it, I'm not, I'm not going to position it as an excuse because it's not an excuse, but just explaining what is happening in my life. Every time I've gone through and taken the time to be open about things that are going on, and not in an excuse way, but more so as a uh, way to position my mind so that I can learn and grow from whatever it is that I'm going through and showing people that like, Hey, this is what's happening right now in my life. Right. And so like for, for me, one of the things that was like, I had to really focus on just cause I just went on uh, a cruise and right before the cruise, um, the, you know, the trigger branch shut down. They shut down the website, right. Two days before I'm about to leave. So you have, and I have a buddy that's doing fulfillment for me. Right, that now he has to learn a whole new system on how to do fulfillment manually, like putting shit out there, the site's down, the in the cruise ready, and then being in the cruise and trying to figure shit out where I don't have internet and going going through these things in a, in a way is just a I know and I kept reminding myself that going through these things is going to allow me to be stronger through that process, and I think you would find out that a lot more people connect with the struggle portion of things 
because what do we know about 99.9999999% of the population? They feel in a daily basis that they're struggling, mm-hmm. right? Most of the population, most of the time feels like they're struggling in one, whether it's in the relationship, whether it's being a fat ass, whether it's money, whether it's, you know, spiritual stuff or whatever the case is, most people feel like they're struggling. And when, what, like connecting with somebody, right? If, if I, if I know that Derek is, um, you know, super into, uh, cars of some sort, right? Maybe having a conversation with Derek around cars allows me to connect with Derek at a different level. So when you understand that most of the population is going through and struggling by understanding and sharing your struggles, you're able to connect with a larger proportion of the population because most people fucking struggling in their life, like straight up. I I was talking about that last week on the show too. In, In the natural environment, if you go out in the woods, you know, if something's not growing, it's dying. And its entire process of growing is a struggle, right? So as soon as you stop struggling, as, as soon as you stop working through those barriers to entry, you're going to start degrading in life in whatever aspect or all aspects, right? Probably all of them. Um, and and these, these barriers to entry, like you're talking about having, you know, a company shut down or, you know, going through a divorce or whatever else, are these are all barriers to entry. And many people, when they hit those barriers, they just stop. Right. And you're going to have those barriers all the time throughout life. And when you stop moving through them and beyond them, then you stop growing as a person. Um, And that's why there are so few people who are very successful in every aspect of life is because they gave up. They hit a barrier and just said, you know, I'm done. And they didn't push through that barrier. They stayed there or even backed off from it. I like the way you put that. Go ahead, Derek. You were going to say something on that. Uh, you have to be willing to fit it. Uh, you have to be willing to face your fears and finish the race. So even though I knew like this wasn't the perfect prep or the 100% ideal prep for me, and this is the third biggest bodybuilding show in the world, I still went in there unafraid, still with confidence and still willing to finish the race. I not for one second was going to quit. Not for one second. And that I, I will rather die. Seriously, I will rather die than quit on something that I started. Derek Simmons is not a quitter. That's not who he is. And that's what that's what my message at the end of the day, that's why I want people to know. Because if we have a society that does not quit, that does not back down, that is willing to burn the boats and finish the race, we will have much more stronger people right and and directly towards the men because the men need the masculine to fuck up i'm tired of seeing all of these um dancing uh tiktok videos and dresses and um i posted up a video on my story they had a fashion show now where you know how like the dudes be sagging their pants so you can see their underwear yeah now they have the pants at knee level yeah, at the fashion show, it just starts at knee level, so you buckle the pants at your knees, and then they're walking. Yeah, wow. I think I mentioned could... a couple weeks ago. I don't know if it was on this show or not, but there's a a book I was listening to. Um, and I can pull it up. Anyway, he's talking about this eighty year cycle of society, right? How you have a hard time in society, so you have strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Like it's a cycle, right? And I didn't say it quite right, but it, you know, it's really um, glaring in a lot of places. Like, take Portland, Oregon, for example, right? That's a few hours away from here. Um, Walmart just announced that they're pulling the last two stores out of the the city limits of Portland permanently. Like they have closed down all Portland WalMarts and pulled out of there because the crime rate is so high. Uh, people are just going in there, just raiding the stores and walking out, and they can't do anything about it, right? Like, you know, if you arrest a shoplifter in Oregon, they don't even do anything about it. Like, they'll just let them go. Like, all the rioters in Portland the last few years, they just got released, right? The the district attorney just dropped all charges against them, right? So the crime rate is so high. But think about it. Back in the day, if we were back in the World War II era, like, people didn't have the choice to live that kind of, you know, animalistic lifestyle, Right now, they're just getting out all this energy that could be directed to something beneficial, but they're not directed to something beneficial because they don't have to. 
right? They have their smartphone, they have their power, they have their fast food. Like, what do they have to put their energy into, you know? And the mass majority of the population isn't, you know, what is it, cognizant enough or creative enough to come up with something to better society or themselves. So they go out there and destroy it. And that's the, you know, soft, soft men just destroying society because good men created a good society where they have the option to exceed and do whatever they want, or they can tear it apart, which is what they're doing, unfortunately. Yeah. Like I did on, on that cruise, we stopped in Honduras and there's a little Island called Rokotan and it's off the coast of Honduras. And, um, and you go there and we did, we did something where you go to get to see a bunch of different things like around the Island. Uh, my girlfriend and I, while we were there and, you have like, you know, when you go to Home Depot, you could buy like a shed there at Home Depot. There's people who are living in those, but they're not, they're not that nice. Like you're like, okay, well, that's just a shed at Home Depot. Yeah, correct. They're shanties that people are living in and the children are out there trying to hustle on the road because you don't have the luxury like you do in this country to sit around and complain and fucking wear dresses around and fucking TikTok and dumbass shit like that. Like you actually need to live your life. And so many people in this real in this country, like are completely effing clueless about reality in the broader 8 billion plus people context of the world. Right. Like that's how a lot of people actually have to live their life. Like not know, like not necessarily having enough food around it, around their day. Not like, I have a roof over my head. I have air conditioning. I've got three fucking lights aimed at my face in different ways, right? Like we lived in a privileged society, even if we don't feel like we're making enough money, even if we don't feel like we're lean enough or big enough or whatever. And this group of people here, like we're so like, you go check out these things. There was another one in Cozumel, right? And people are like, they're, they're, they're like, I, I mean, People don't have perspective in no. their life of like what's going on at all. And don't no. because most of the world actually lives that way in terms of like 80% less things and money in their life. And and like, oh, I have an iPhone 12 instead of an iPhone 14. Or they put fucking soy milk into my Starbucks coffee instead of like oat fucking milk or dumb shit like that. And in reality, most people have actual problems to deal with where those are not real problems, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, you're hitting that nail on the head. You know, we're worried about the, the soy latte having the wrong thing. Or, like we have all these things to worry about. And, you know, when I was in Iraq, it, it really hit me hard. And I think I was uh, 19 or 20, 20 when I landed in the country. So I was still pretty young. Right. And, you know, the stuff you'd see over there, like the way kids are living, you know, and most of the world lives that way. You have, you have all these people like my brother, right? He's this, he's this lawyer, um, a district, uh, like a public defender lawyer, right? Um, went to a, a very prestigious school, uh, like in the top three in the nation, um, all that kind of stuff, right? And he's like, oh, I've traveled the world. The world's amazing. All these other countries on the planet are better than, than America. You know, it's like, no, you idiot, because you went to the tourist locations, you went to their big cities, you went to their pristine areas. Like, if you leave that and go to the interior, like the interior of Mexico or the interior, like the Middle East, right? Like, there's so much of the world, the majority of the world lives in such poverty. It's just amazing. You know, I'm talking like, <clears throat> I'd be an hour from the furthest, from the closest city when I was in Iraq, hour from the closest city. And there's this little nine-year-old Iraqi boy in the middle of the desert by himself with a herd of about 200 sheep, Right his dog like that was his job he lived in the desert there's no nobody's bringing him food or water like this kid's literally in the desert right by himself um and then you see some of the houses over there like there's this one um where the house was built out of blown out tires that they picked up off the side of the road and they just built this little hut out of it and with a piece of plastic over the top right and you know we'd have sandstorms you know frequently there for a while and it's like you know you know that kid or his family or whoever's living in that little tiny shack in the middle of nowhere um, literally in the middle of the desert, um, no support, probably no cell phone, no water, no running water. Right. Like, and so many people in the world live like that. You know, um, you'd see kids just digging through the trash over there, just looking for some fresh water out of a water bottle that got thrown away. Um, 
you know, and, and people over here are so spoiled that we're just destroying ourselves instead of benefiting ourselves even more, maybe even helping people like that dig themselves out of that kind of poverty, you know? Yeah, it, it, I, I like, I completely agree. And then I think like, okay, well, how can we improve this? And like, I know the best way for me to do it is obviously just living the best possible version of my, my own reality that I see like every moment of every day, just executing at the highest degree of for myself and just continuing to iterate on that. But then I'm like, at a country level, you know how there's certain countries that like require certain mandatory like military service. Like I don't know any of them top of top of my head, but I know that there's several countries that require, you know, males to do this. Now imagine if we had something instead of like being in school, which is an utter waste of time where kids don't learn diddly squat. They had to spend two or four years, like young men and maybe women do it in a different fashion, but young men would go either to the poorest parts of this country in the United States, and they had to, you know, go clean the streets and go figure out how to actually survive and talk to other fucking humans to like accomplish things. And, you know, I think that would be far more, like, think about that, how much money we would take, get rid of school and then send these kids to the poorest parts of this country to help the, the communities in, in like whether it's homeless society or, or homeless areas, or whether it's like just poor rundown areas, or we just had a natural disaster. So that year, all the kids in school, all the young men in school or a good portion of them all get sent to that area to help rebuild that society or that community. Like then you'd get like actual benefit from school because they're doing something that is valuable. Right. And seeing the world as it is. Or think about this. I mean, the welfare system in America supports so many people, right? And and people defend the welfare system like crazy. So I'm probably gonna get a lot of hate for this. But if you took the welfare system and said, okay, you can, you know, that's that's taxpayer dollars that are funding this system, right? Like that's years of my money that they're taking from us by force and giving to these people. What if you said, okay, well, you can you can receive your welfare check still, but you have to work eight hours a day in public service. You know, go pick up trash go pressure wash the sidewalks, you know, go do this, that, or the other. You're welcome to live on the system, but you're going to contribute because, you know, you're not a tax paying person. Somebody's paying for you to survive, at least contribute back to society in, you know, the same volume of effort, right? Like, so if, if you were to enact an eight hour mandatory work day for anybody on welfare, I guarantee the welfare would just drop like a, like, like it would drop like a rock thrown off the Grand Canyon, right? Like nobody would want to be on welfare anymore because they're only on there because they're lazy for the most part. Granted, there are some disabled people and there could be workarounds for that. But the vast majority of people that I know that are on welfare have no reason to be on welfare other than they're just so extremely lazy. They don't want to do anything. And so I pay tons of money in taxes every year so that they can just live there doing nothing. Right. And that's one of the, the things that just degrades society even more and even faster. Cause you know, now I'm working and paying taxes so they can do nothing. They get bored and go burn down a city. Right. <laughs> you have to deal with that uh, right around your neighborhood. Like, or yeah. like, I mean, like two hours away, three hours away, or whatever the case is. Well, before I moved, it was literally like right down the road. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh not um i think that we're going through awakening like five ten years ago we didn't have these kinds of conversations no. like with your friends you probably didn't have these conversations now now we now we are and like this like it, it, it's it's these things like that you continually go through and have these conversations to have people take actions uh like there's there's a dude in my neighborhood and i see him uh, going through and just picking up trash. And whenever I see him, I make a point to go over and you know, like several times I'll just give him money. I'll be like, Hey bro, I appreciate what you're doing. It's not, not, I don't give a shit that like the stuff is cleaned up, but I like that you're setting a good example of like just going through and doing this. And I don't know if he's homeless or not or whatever, but like he's going through and picking up trash in the neighborhood. And that's setting an example. Like you were talking about the social programs, right? So instead of like spending money and then like you listen to Pandora or some other things, they'll literally have like propaganda uh, as an ad that's like, oh, get your 97 jab of XYZ or, or like, you know, this other social program. They're like spending money on advertising to get more people into the system to live off of welfare in one form of another. 
imagine that money if it was put forth in a, in a countrywide thing when it was like, you know, improve your fucking life or pick up a p- one piece of trash every day. Like imagine if that was put forth for four years or eight years or 10 years in the country and you're 300 million people, but figure 30% of them actually do that and pick up one piece of trash. Like imagine the, the impact and I'm using trash because that could be su- super substantial, but it's crazy. We spent just over a hundred billion dollars to you. We sent over a hundred billion dollars to Ukraine and paying worker pensions and didn't give the people in Ohio shit after the derailment. Yeah, we've sent more money now to Ukraine than we spent on the entirety of the Afghanistan war. Right or wrong, whether or not you agree with that war, we spent more money sending it to Ukraine and supporting their government and everybody else than we did on our own war, right? Here's another good one. This is completely off of our normal stuff, right? But some can someone tell me why we pay taxes? Um, so for those of you who haven't researched taxes in America, um, before World War II, there was not an income tax. World War II is when they enacted an income tax in order to fund the war. Before then, it was not constitutionally legal for them to charge an income tax. And I didn't I don't remember the specifics. I don't didn't really dig deep into it on how they're still doing it. But it was not constitutionally legal up until World War Two. And so technically, you could say that the income tax is not legal um, and that's being fought by some people. But you know, constitutionally, it was not allowed before World War II. I see it this way, though. You have to work for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the only way that you're going to kind of get out of it is through write-offs. Um, you're actually working for somebody. You're actually kind of telling the government, I'm willing to be a slave. And then the government's going to say, okay, we got that's you. Point. You know, and so... You have to you have to be willing like get an LLC. I don't care even if you are working for somebody. Just get an LLC and then start working towards it. Um, especially us as men, I feel like all of us should have kind of like our own thing. Um, you know, I'm not saying like everybody's going to be this high level entrepreneur, but at the same time, you know, have your side hustle, have something that you can look forward to uh, the next day. Because I don't care what you say, if you're working, I don't know some bs nine to five every single day and you're not passionate about it this is not something that you went to school for i know that you're not waking up with that enthusiasm you're not waking up with that fire inside to to go out there and kill it and that's one of the things that we're talking about here there's a lot of men are not having that fire inside of them they're not having that passion so just imagine you're just going through life just paying bills going through the emotions and then all of a sudden you're old and you just wasted your whole entire life. And then now it's just, a, I wish I could have, I should have done this. I wish I could have done that or just excuses, right? How many of, how many older men did you know that saw you getting after what you want and said, Oh, that's impossible to do. Oh, you used to do this or you used to do the easy way. Well, no, you don't fuck just because you was a pussy and then go, then go after it or you quit. Doesn't mean that I'm going to quit. Right. That's a, a lot of the times those are those situations. They people think that if they can't do it, nobody else can do it. Nobody else can do it. Uh one of the reasons why getting 10k subs is so freaking hard on YouTube or looks like it's so freaking hard on YouTube, and you are in the one percentile because most people give up. Yeah, when they load up their fir- their video, right? Their first 10 videos, and they see that nobody watches. They see that they got two likes if they're lucky, right? And then they go on somebody else's channel, and then they see 500,000 views, 500 likes, 200 comments. You feel like a piece of shit. And you're like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to find something easier to do. And it's that willingness to pick up the trash, one piece of trash per day, Sam. It's the willingness to do that every single day, regardless if you see a result or not. Because when you look back two, three, four years later, now you got 10K subs. Now you got a clean street. It didn't seem like that street was going to be clean beforehand. It seemed like it was going to be impossible. So I was posting on YouTube for six years before it ever took off. 
<laughs> that's that's something people don't realize. You know, it takes effort whether or not you're seeing results, right? Here's another thing that most people don't think about at all because people, the public school system does not teach financial success. They don't teach you how to be financially successful or invest or anything that's relevant to real life for the most part, right? Like you learn basic math and that's about the only valuable thing they teach anymore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> which really pisses me off. I can go off about that all day, but... <laughs> The average person our age and younger will never retire. They cannot retire because even if they are saving as much as they possibly can, they're not making enough to save enough. And even if they are saving as much as they possibly can, their returns are not going to be inflation at the current rates that you can get a retirement portfolio being you know, the, the average portfolio will not outgrow inflation fast enough over that time frame to make up the deficit and what they're putting in. So you have to be developing your own business, your own side gigs. You have to be doing two jobs. You have to be doing something more than the standard because the standard is just going to keep you in basically slave mode the rest of your life. You will have to die to survive. And even if you're doing things like for other people, like Derek alluded to this, put it into an LLC so that you can start pulling. So like, I could work for Brian, I could work for Derek, I could work for Seth, right? And I'm like working for them, right? Because I don't think that necessarily like we all kind of do our own thing. But there's a lot of people who would rather just be like, hey, Sam, fucking, what do you what do you want to help with? Like, let me give me X, Y, Z to do. And, and, they, and like they don't have the ambition or like, you know, they just don't want to do that. But like you can still put it into an LLC. So that means the income I get from Brian the income I get from Seth, the income I get from Derek, all goes into an LLC. And because it's in an LLC, not a W-2, it allows me to control the expense line. So normally in a W-2, you have have income, then you have your taxes, and then you have what you get to spend, right? So the government takes their portion before you get in. In an LLC, income comes in, and then expenses, I get to pay myself effectively with my expenses, and then taxes. So you have a just that switching of the taxes and the, the um, expenses of the business allows you to do things that is not possible for the W-2 income and reduce drastically reduce those taxes. Yeah. So touching on taxes real quick, because we got to end here pretty soon. People often bash on, you know, well, we have all these billionaires who are taking all the money in America, and, you know, like, there has to be something done because they don't pay any taxes and all this kind of stuff. It's like, that's the problem with the public school system is they're not taught that in reality, our tax system is designed so that the average person can lift themselves out of standard and into a very, very successful position in life. That's what our tax system was designed to do. It was designed for people who want to be entrepreneurs to develop something, to build something and to live off of it, you know, for the rest of their lives and to pass something on. You know, yeah, we have a lot of people who became billionaires off the system. Uh, I don't care what people want to think about that. The reality is the tax system was designed so that you as an average American can become whatever you want in life. Right. And it was designed that way so that you're contributing something to society. And that's why you're getting the tax benefits. So, you know, people people talk about how they can't get anywhere in life. It's like, well, you know. There's no place on planet Earth that's easier to become a multimillionaire than in America. You know, there's literally homeless people that become multimillionaires. And, you know, if they can do it, anybody else can do it. You just have to learn because the public school system doesn't teach this to people. And you're not going to find it yourself unless you go out there and look for the information. Right. But the, the whole system is developed to make people either wealthy or they can stay a slave. It's their choice. And young men, they're, they're tapping out. Uh, I saw a stat on Auburn Preacher's channel that I believe 63% of young men, we're talking about age 30, like between age 18 to 30 years old, 63% have not have no sexual contact with a woman. Wait, what was that again? Yes. 63% of young males in the United States between the ages of 30, I believe like 30, 31 uh, through 18 years old. I've not had one sexual contact with a woman. I'm talking about not even a kiss. No shit. That's mind blowing. And when you think about that, the sole reason, guys, you, you take the money away, you take the passion, you take the drive away, you take the willingness to help people away. At the end of the day, when we succeed, right, when we go after something, we set a goal, at the end of our day, 
whether it's subconsciously or whatever, at the end of the day, we all know if I accomplish this goal, I'm gonna get some poutine. <laughs> I would get, get some more poutine, and, and that that drives us even more to succeed. So that is so, uh, during the hard days, we are willing to go through the hard days. Men are willing to go and sit down and study at the library and try to become a doctor and live a boring ass lifestyle for many years to try to become a doctor because they know that once they become a doctor, they gonna get some poutine. <laughs> that's a crazy that's a crazy step you know uh, and so so imagine imagine we got 63 percent of, of young men that just tapped out said i give up these women the two hypergamists they want to all they all want to leonardo DiCaprio. they all want drake and justin bieber they forgot about me so again oh, <laughs> that's a crazy i'm I've, i'm looking this, this up right now there's an article here from the daily mail um and, and I don't know, this is referencing the, the actual study. I have to find the study from here. But nearly one in three American men aged 24 or 18 to 24 say they have not had sex in the last year. 63% uh, something else with the drop in. Um, it's basically just getting worse about the young men tapping out and like crazy. That's, that's nutty, pardon the pun. But I mean, think about this, like, Guys our age, we're going to become like, you know, the gold standard here in another 10 years because nobody younger than us is going to be eligible for anything, right? Fuck. Dude, that's bad. You remember that time, 18 to 24? Bro, the only – I didn't give a fuck about anything else. I just wanted to get some pussy. That was it. But I was – it was going to the gym, and I just wanted to get girls. That was it. If you were – if Brian was like, hey, dude, let's go fucking hang out. I was like, um, are we going to be around girls? No. Uh, are we going to get girls over? No. Um, well, I'm good. I don't want to even hang out. Like yeah. literally, there was a conversation. I wouldn't even hang out with friends if, like, if you're not going to go like play basketball or do something like sports or go to the gym, or we're not going to go after girls. Like, I don't want to hang out. Like, there's no fucking point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now let's, let's add on a little bit to that. Okay. When I was that age, I actually had heroes. I had John Cena. I had Goku on Dragon Ball Z or Tommy from Power Rangers. Like, I had masculine men that went after it and killed that shit. So what did that told me? That told me, hey, I want to be like him. I want to be like John Cena. I want to be like Tommy, right? What do these kids got to look up to nowadays? What's in their cartoons? All of this LGBT stuff. You see Thor, they they minimized Thor. They demasculated him in Thor Love and Thunder, right? Black Panther, when that when um when the main character died, they didn't care to replace him with the male. They just said, hey, we're just gonna put a woman in here. And so now you're saying, hey, women are the new men. They're actually saying that literally in television series, women are the new men. Uh men, you're gonna become feminized, and we're gonna dress you up in these dresses. We're gonna put uh these baggy pants that start you on the knees at you. And hey, being gay is normal now. You can't get a girl anyway. So 63% of these guys, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to just start doing each other. So since they're going to be doing each other, that's what that does to the population. That's going to decrease the birth rate because nobody's going to be reproducing. So right. we're heading into some dark, scary-ass times. Well, look at the like the interaction between males and females just in the gym, right? Like when I started working out, I was 16 and we go to the gym and if a woman didn't want to be looked at, she'd wear baggy clothes. Right. And you just knew, okay, she didn't want any attention. If she, if she was walking around in a sports bra and see-through shorts, right. She wanted attention and she appreciated the attention when she got it. Right. Like, right. you know, it, they made it very obvious. They appreciated it. And now the, everybody goes in there basically naked to record themselves working out they obviously want to be seen because they're posting it across all our social media. They're getting paid to post themselves. They're showing literally everything on, you know, Twitter just to get attention. But you look at them in the gym, they catch you on a recording while they're recording themselves to be looked at. And then they post you as a pervert for looking at them when it's okay to watch them online, just not in person, right? Like it's changed so much the whole dynamic. Brian, what I said earlier, you can't serve two masters. Yeah. Women, they got their validation. They got their source of attention now from social media. The the um, the dopamine, the mental release that you get from likes, from comments, from your high views on videos. So if, if women post up a video of themselves and they send a booty picture and it goes fucking viral, right? 
that feeling that you get is so euphoric. No man in real life can actually replace that. So these women are looking for these guys that are simps to expose them so they can get more attention, so they can get more of that euphoric feeling that social media provides them. And I, I'm, I'm victim to this too. Currently, right now, I have a video that's going viral on YouTube. It's over 500,000 views, right? When I noticed this, I had a hard time sleeping last night mm -hmm. because of just the excitement that you get. You see your subscriber rate just shooting up so fast, right? Think about that. It took me years to get to that viral video. I started YouTube in 2018. It took me years to get to that one viral video. A pretty girl, a girl with a fat ass, she gets that her first video and continues to get that every single post that she gets. How do you think that that woman's going to make a good wife? How do you think that good woman can make a good girlfriend? It's impossible. You can't yeah. please her. To me, yeah. it's funny because, you know, obviously I'm a combat vet and I don't mean to talk about that too much, but it's it's really funny seeing a society that revolves around somebody clicking their smartphone and giving you a like as your sense of validation or your dopamine or whatever else. Like, that is the high of your day, right? Like, for me, it's like all of life since I deployed has been kind of muted because when a bullet goes by your head and you hear it zing and you can feel the air coming off of it, and, you know, you're like, holy shit, I'm still alive. I'm, yep, I'm still here. Like, the adrenaline rush you get off of that, like, you know, nothing else is impressive after that, really. And so to see society living on this, oh, well, somebody, you know, oh, I feel validated, you know, like it just seems so minuscule. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I don't know. Perspective, 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 right? Like, yeah, you recognize that kind of stuff. I think that this has been an awesome uh, conversation. Uh, we'll wrap things up and um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, check us all out on social media. Check out BioMuscle, uh, DadBot2Fit. I always have a hard time saying that. And uh, there's links in the description on all the your favorite podcast platforms. Leave a review because that's – if you're still listening at this point and you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, that's one of the best ways to help out the podcast is leave a review screenshot that shit tag us on instagram we'll repost it and we'll appreciate it we'll end that see you guys next week yep peace